Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio, where we'll talk about news, education, and opportunities for small businesses on the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street and in Washington, D.C. I'm Michelle Yancey. And I'm Kyle Todd. Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio. This week, we're joined by Howard James, owner of Fast Signs, located at 617F Rhode Island Avenue Northeast. Welcome, Howard. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. No problem. So clearly, just by the name of your business, Fast Signs, you all make different signage. Correct. Can you tell our listeners about some of the signs and the services that you provide? Well, we uh, have a full suite of services. We offer uh, everything uh, from the beginning to the end. So we design the signs, we fabricate them in-house, and we will install and service them as well. Um, and anything you could think of that's going to help promote your business, uh, this visual communication, that's a sign and we do it. Is this a franchise business? It is a franchise. It's an international franchise. And how long have you been involved in Fast Signs or located on Rhode Island Avenue? We've been uh, involved eight years. Eight so years? So we're going on our ninth year next year. Okay, in the same location? Same location. And how did you get into the business? Well, I used to be a teacher for D.C. Public Schools. Uh, I taught at the Duke Ellington School of the Arts. uh, And I taught for 17 years, and I was looking for a new, different opportunity. Uh, I wanted to do something uh, in my city uh, that I was born and raised in. And we looked at a bunch of different concepts, and franchising seemed a really good idea, especially if you were going into something totally different than you were used to, uh, because you buy a system and you buy into support. Um, and we didn't have one in the city. You know, we, we don't have a lot of things in the city we didn't used to. It's getting a lot better. Uh, and we had to always go out to get them. So I decided to bring it in in the city, and that has proven to be a good decision. Yeah, I sometimes wonder if. Uh businesses understand how important signage is and how it can create an identity. I go to this one restaurant where um, they don't have great signage, and if you don't know they're there, you just don't know. Well, I try to educate them and, and, and let them know. If, and just like you said, if you don't have a sign, it doesn't matter how good the food is. It yeah. doesn't matter what's in or the even building. A good, you can have a sign, mm-hmm. but if it's not clearly seen or visible. Well, it sets the tone. I mean, it definitely uh, tells people... Uh, what type of, of business you are, it, it sets a caliber. Uh, so I think it's very important that your sign match your identity. So I know oftentimes when people think of signs, they think of a name outside of a building or hanging over a door, but I think it's a little more than that. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, something all people always say to us, and we, that's why we try to educate them, is that we didn't know you did that. It's, it's so many things. I mean, it's your basic things you think about as signs, the interior, the exterior. We do digital displays. We do the content on them. We do uh, electrical signs outside. Uh, it could be as simple as a a something behind a podium, or it could be a three-dimensional engraved sign on a wall. So it's a wide array of, of things that we do. And everything's custom. So, you know, if you have a problem, uh, we're going to figure out a way to solve it in signage. So do you help, it sounds like you will help customers create signs if they are a new company and Mm -hmm. they don't have a logo, you can help them from 
beginning to end. Yeah, we'll, we'll take you. We'll take you at all stages. If you already have your logo developed, great. We'll show you how to make that into an effective sign. If you don't, we have staff on board, designers that will develop that for you. And do you all have the capability to give the customers a visual idea of what it will look like before? Uh, they've spent all the money on it and thought it was going to look one way and then it turns out completely different? Yep. For every sign we do, we make sure that proofs go out. Uh, you have a good idea uh, of what you're going to get. Uh, we'll superimpose it, you know, on the building or wherever it's going to go. But uh, I would say they have a pretty good idea before, before we put it up what they're going to uh, end up with. And you said you all install the signs as well? Yes. And I know some signs, I guess would need maintenance yes. how does that work you all so, yeah we have a full technical staff that, that is out every day installing and servicing uh signs all around the city so uh, if you call us and tell us it's not working we'll come out and take a look at it we'll tell you what you need to do to repair it and we can handle the repairs as well uh, but everything we make we we, we put up and do you make it in-house yep everything is done right at 617. What type of materials uh, do you use for some of the signs? I oh, know they're different kinds. It's a wide array. I mean, we, uh, many plastics, polymers, metals, um, engraving stock. Uh, we print in-house, so uh, a wide variety of materials, uh, ones that are best for cars, ones that can go on uh Oh, so you floor. do signs for, you do see a lot of cars lately yep. with signage on them. Yep. So and you will do that as well. We'll wrap cars as well. Okay. And what is the lifespan of some of these signs? I know they're different for, for well, each you know, type. We, we'll never tell anybody they're going to have a lifetime warranty. Everything is going to degrade. It's going to fade. Uh, when you're dealing with inks and colors, you know, it, it's hard to tell. It's, it's about exposure. It's about treatment. But generally, uh, depending on what you're getting, if you're getting a banner, it's a temporary sign, it's going to be good for a year. If you're uh, getting, you know, a three-dimensional sign it'll, out of metal, it'll probably last forever up there on the wall. Uh, or and pretty, I guess if it's or, inside, or pretty, right, it will inside. last longer. So it depends on the elements. Um, but generally, I would say uh, four to five years is, is a good time span for uh, some signage that you expect to be around a while. So what about green signage? Do you all do that? Um, we, we and tell us about, tell our listeners what green signage is. Well, you know, that word green means a lot of different right. things. So, uh, you know, early on, uh, there was a big push to go with green inks and, and green materials. And I really looked into it to see what that meant. Mm -hmm. And it didn't necessarily mean what we, we, we think it means. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, I remember one time with a, a provider of a, a roll material, he said it's green. It'll break down faster. It'll break down into smaller molecules, and it won't be around. I'm like, well, then it's, it's small. It's in the water. It leaches in faster, and, now, you know, now it's in my system. And he didn't, he wouldn't, he didn't think kindly of that. But, you know, it depends on how you do green. So we, we updated a lot of our printers in the eight years we've been there, and they're a lot less uh, volatile now. Um, there were printers we had at first that we had to purify the uh, smells coming off of them, and the ones we use now and the inks we use now have no smells whatsoever. So we're definitely greener. Um, but, you know, if you're looking for that end-all to be-all product, it's just not going to degradate over time and, and, and end up in a landfill, it's not quite there yet. 
I see. What about 3D printing? There's a lot of talk about 3D printing nowadays. How, how do you all deal with that, or how does that work? in? Yep, well, it's a couple different areas. We actually have a machine uh, that we bought in-house last year that does uh, some minimal 3D printing. So if you go into office buildings and things, you often see uh, ADA signage, signage with Braille on the walls. That used to be a long, drawn-out process of putting layer and layer together. This machine will actually print pretty close to three-dimensional. It'll raise it up, um, and it'll do any color, and it's a one, one process instead of ten processes. Uh, that's uh, one of the new uh, advancements in 3D, and, and you'll see a lot of things out there where it's doing a lot of prototyping. Uh, you can actually build three-dimensional objects, and I think there's going to be a place for it. I mean, I, you know, the, the, the expenses come down. You can buy them at Staples, the smaller machines, uh, but it's a lot for prototyping. It's a lot for showing you, you know, if I'm going to get something, what's it actually going to look like? We haven't, or we're getting to the point now where, you know, the stuff that comes off the machine is actually usable. It's not just a prototype of what will actually be built later on. But it's a, it's a great technology. Um, we've, we've looked into it, uh, and, and we haven't decided to jump full into full 3D printing yet um, because we, we haven't found the niche for it. But I think it's coming. Okay. And what about um, exhibits and displays, moving signs? Do you all do anything like that? Well, yep, yeah, we do uh, digital displays. So, you know, you'll see a lot of buildings now or uh, businesses with not just your regular static sign with just their name on it, but they'll have what's akin to a, a video monitor. Mm -hmm. And uh, that way you can change your message constantly. You can, you can update it. You can, it's all about content. So you can put things on there that's really going to draw attention. And those units started very expensive, and, and, and they've come down drastically in the last three or four years. Uh, the, the programming them is much easier. You can actually program it from anywhere. You have an Internet connection. I can tell my, you know, across the world, I can tell my sign to update and change. I can put new content on it. So those are great. Um, and I think I see a lot more people interested in them because the price has come down to a level or where it's affordable. Where it's affordable. Yeah. Now, I, will, I always tell people is be careful. I mean, you, you have your Rolls Royces and you, you have, you know, the other end of the spectrum. So, you know, you, you have to be wary of a great price. I mean, those things are high-end computers, high-end monitors. They're used so to being So it sounds like you might get what you pay for. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't be wary of paying as little as possible because in a year it may not work anymore. Okay. So any other services that you want to tell us about that maybe I haven't, that I don't know about um, I, that I you think provide? You, I think you covered them very well. I, I, you know, I really tell people what we do is we solve problems. So if you come in and say, this is what I want to do, we're going to explain, the, you know, in our opinion, the best way to do that and give you some options and work with you all the way through the process. Okay, great. So if our listeners want to find out more about Fast Signs and the services you provide, where should they look? Well, we have a website, so it's fastsigns.com forward slash 494. Uh, you can come on into our location. We're right uh, by Rhode Island Metro Station, right across from Mount Calvary Church, so we're, we're easy to get to. Um, and you can call and email us. Okay, and what's the uh, phone number and email? 202 635 3732, and the email is 494 at fastsigns.com. 
Great. Well, thanks so much for speaking with us today, Howard, and telling us about Fast Signs. Thank you for having me. Welcome back to the second half of the episode. Uh, we are joined now uh, with the executive director of Think Local First DC, Omid Tabai, and uh, Think Local First DC board member, Jonas Singer. Uh, thank you both for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, Think Local First DC, uh, for, for listeners that have not heard of you, uh, give me the snapshot. What's it about? Sure. Um, yeah. So uh, this is Omid uh, speaking. I'm actually the managing director, not the executive director. Oh, excuse yeah. me. We're going to be bringing an executive director on board very soon, but and we're looking forward to that. But well, you're dressed like an executive director. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for the for the viewers out there that can't see it. Um, it's a very sharp tie. <laughs> thank you. Um, so a little bit about Think Local First. Uh, we uh, received our IRS tax exempt status in 2007. Um, we were started by LEDC, the Latino Economic Development Corporation, uh, Gabriel uh, Martinez, Andy Shalal, Raja Garwal, um, Constantine Stavalopoulos, and a number of other uh, stakeholders in the community. The local business stakeholders came together in 2007, realized at the time that there was really no entity that was advocating on behalf of the interests of the local business community. There really was no entity that um, brought the local business community together and that local businesses were out there in silos, focusing on their bottom line, um, uh, working to, to put food on their table, but there really was no organization that was working to create solidarity amongst the community. And so um, out of that idea, Think Local First was born um, in 2005, uh, and we operated under, the, under the, the umbrella of LEDC for a period of time before they actually branched out and received uh, tax-exempt status from the IRS in 2007. And since then, uh, we have grown to over 400 uh, local businesses in the District of Columbia, and uh, our mission is to support and educate uh, consumers as well as businesses as to the importance and function of local businesses in the community. All right, so you are basically a, a chamber of commerce for small businesses. That's one way that we describe ourselves. All right. And you're um, a membership organization? We are a membership organization. And how does one qualify to become a member? Uh, one can qualify to become a member. You have to meet certain criteria that's listed on our website. And so some of the criteria is um, you have to be located w either within the borders of the District of Columbia or within certain parameters uh, outside of the borders of the District of Columbia. One of your uh, – <coughs> One of the, the founders or the executives of your company has to live within a certain area of the District of Columbia as well. Uh, right now, uh, because the council for uh, 2015 had designated 2015 as the year of the local, so this is the year of the local folks, and um, for, in, in honor of that, we are offering memberships for $25 uh, nice. uh, up until the end of 2015. And so uh, we want to make uh, access to our organization um, as easy as possible for people to become a part of it. We want to encourage localists everywhere to, to celebrate uh, that which makes our community so great. Fantastic. So, Josh, you are obviously um, a business owner uh, as a board member. Um, for those of you who don't know, Josh Singer is the Jonas. 
John Jonas Singers. I'm so sorry. Um, you are the um, the brain behind Union Kitchen. Um, so brain is a liberal term, but yes. <laughs> um, you also have a sharp tie on. Uh, uh, I do not, yeah. <laughs> but thank you for saying so. I look great to everyone out there. Yeah, he does. Hair he does. is fabulous. It is. Um, so, what do you see as as a business owner and a you know a creative economy leader? What do you see as the as the benefit for participating in Think Local First DC? So we first joined Think Local First when we launched Blind Dog Cafe, which is located in Shaw, Northwest DC, and. Our interest in that was getting, uh, I think, a lot to what Omid spoke to, involved with other local business owners um, and really understanding that in many ways the, the culture of our city is built by the businesses that are on our neighborhood corners, that are on our neighborhood thoroughfares. Uh, I grew up in Chevy Chase, Maryland. I'm, f- I'm from the area. And uh, as a native of, of D.C., um, it, it was always frustrating to me growing up that we're always importing culture from other places. And, you know, I've often said that at least up until recently, uh, it felt like the, the whole of DC culture was the Redskins and go-go music, which <laughs> is not a bad start, but it's probably not quite enough. And, uh, for us think local first and the efforts of small and local business owners is really what starts to create the fabric and the texture of Washington DC as a, as a community really unto itself as a place that people want to spend their lives and not just maybe a few transitional years in their twenties, uh, which I saw a lot of when I was uh, coming up. Um, and so uh, it's really important to tell the narrative of the struggles of local business. Uh, I think in a government town like DC, a lot of people are not necessarily aware of that. We hear about, uh, the sort of big picture narrative during presidential debates, but we don't under- necessarily understand the day-to-day challenges. Um, and then the consequences of those challenges in, I think, holding back the ability of creating a local culture and having um, something that really is native to Washington that, that allows us to all feel ownership here, uh, but to want to stay here and build our lives here and feel like we have uh, a real connectivity with the city. And think local first and, and the businesses it represents is, is critical to doing that. And I think uh, while the city is certainly taking on a momentum of its own, think local uh, has really been an instrumental part in helping to achieve that building of culture and hopefully laying a real strong foundation for uh, a further entrepreneurial growth in the city that will, again, foment more culture and, and also hopefully uh, more equitable distribution of wealth and higher wages and, and more folks having social and economic mobility in the city. And so uh, certainly I'm proud to be part of Think Local and, and to work with the, the hundreds of business owners that we have the opportunity to represent. It is, uh, it is spectacular to me. The, the growth in the last couple of years uh, of the however you want to call it the creative economy the maker mm-hmm. economy the just the um, the spectacular levels of you know, sorry to be redundant creativity around new business creations mm-hmm. um, new business ideas that are that are popping up everywhere and it's it's fantastic to see that that level of energy. And every time I turn around, think local first is associated with something mm-hmm. exciting that's happening. Um, so, what are some of the uh, initiatives that Think Local First is is really focusing on right now? Sure. Um, so, right now, Think Local First is is focusing on and has always focused on um, educating, connecting, and advocating. Um, 
so you know what that means is uh, we connect business owners to consumers we connect business owners to other business owners uh, we educate consumers as to the importance of uh, supporting local businesses we educate businesses as to how to conduct their day-to-day -day operations how to scale their businesses how to cater to customers how to market their businesses how to brand their businesses um, and then we advocate on uh, on behalf of uh, the entire community as an uh, as a whole um, through our through touching the businesses, through coming into contact with the businesses, through the different uh, workshops and events and things that we do uh, through a lens of empathy and through uh, compassion and listening to our community, uh, we respond to the needs of the community through understanding. Um, and you know, I, I can talk about this for days and days. I can go on for hours. Um, but right now, uh, what we're really focusing on is there are three sectors of local business that uh, we're really looking to. The first one is um, real estate, uh, the real estate community. Um, people often don't consider uh, the real estate community to be part of the local business community. I think when people think of local businesses, they tend to think of like the restaurant or the coffee shop or the grocery store or whatever. Um, because those are the ones that they have like actual contact with and when they're like yeah i want to support my local business that's the way that they see supporting their local business but real the real estate community in and of itself is very much uh, a, a local local business as well in that the real estate agent you know their where their bread and butter is being made is right here in the community um, as a local business uh, you, you know they conduct business they are selling property, uh, they're developing properties, they, they're, they're creating jobs in the community. So they very much contribute to the atmosphere of local business. Um, and in, in that way, in the, in the fact that they are a local business themselves, that's the first way. And then the second way is they actually are creating the spaces for local business. And so it's an ecosystem is, is really what it is. And so by um, focusing on uh, the the aspect of the ecosystem that's creating environments for local businesses to thrive um, and creating a consciousness among that community, we can show them, you know, and educate them as to the importance of, um, you know, focusing on the local. And so we're doing that through our developer dinner series and our developer roundtables, which basically is a, a way to just bring the real estate community together. Um, and create a solidarity and a consciousness amongst them and connections between them that didn't exist previously. Um, and, uh, and through that also really understand what their needs are um, so that we can you know, make it easier for them to do business in the District of Columbia so that we can just keep things moving forward. That's really what we want to do. Um, and so that's in regard to the real estate development, uh, real estate community. Um, and then we also are doing the same with local businesses. We just had um, a local business roundtable uh, at the D.C. Council building back in uh, September. And the local business community came out and, you know, told us ab about the things that they're facing and got to hear from the government um, as to, you know, uh, what the government is doing for local business as well. And uh, people found great value in in that uh, event because, you know, something as simple as just learning that there was a tax credit for trash compactors um, was, you know, a huge benefit to those local businesses. And then finally, as you said, uh, we see the creatives um, on the rise in the District of Columbia. And that's also another uh, area of 
local business that I think people don't, especially themselves, a lot of artists um, see themselves as artists. They don't see themselves as local businesses, but uh, they are very much local businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Art is a business, or it should be. It should be treated as a business. Um, so you go back to the real estate discussion. Um, I would imagine that that it, the real estate component is, is not only important because of of what they provide in the way of services for for businesses coming into the area or moving into larger spaces in the area, but um, I mean, I think I think that's a, a very valid point to to really focus in on them because of the limited square mileage in the district and, and real estate is at such a premium. It really you really have to have some some professional help. Uh, to move around and, and get business space in, in the district and, and, and get a good deal on it. And uh, and that's, uh, you know, also what the Main Streets is for as well. And uh, so, you know, we're looking forward to coordinating with the different Main Streets and the bids in terms of, you know, identifying the business owners that may want to move or scale or, um, you know, and coordinating with those agencies and those organizations and those entities that help people just move into spaces. Um, and actually, I want to give a shout out to S2 Development. Uh, hey, our right new, our across new neighbors. The street. Absolutely, um, they you know are um, steadfast advocates in in uh, on in and on behalf of the real estate development community, um, and they actually helped to organize our, our last roundtable. So we're very thankful for their leadership in their field. Great, yay! Rhode Island Avenue Main Street businesses. Um, so, looking at your website, uh, which is thinklocalfirstdc.com. Uh, I'm seeing you've got uh, two or three uh, other programs like the Do Good Week, Eat Local First, Made in D.C., Listen Local First, Locals Unplugged. Do you want <clears throat> either one of you uh, tackle one of those for me? Sure. So uh, Think Local for has been doing uh, great events for a long time. Um, the Eat Local Week has been really successful. We actually did not do one this year, uh, but we hope to certainly resume that in the future. I think the Do Good Summit is probably uh, our flagship series, which is a, an awesome week of events um, that was really started by our last executive director, Stacy Price, uh, and very visionary effort to bring, I think, uh, large swaths of constituents from the community together uh, to discuss how uh, business and the community and government can work together to to do what it says to do good and to talk about ideas that can forward the project um, as well as some of the barriers to uh, aligning interests so that everyone is getting the outcomes that they want and so the do good summit um, we plan to do again um, in early 2016 um, and certainly uh, that's an awesome opportunity for folks in the community to come and meet a lot of the, the new businesses, the established businesses in the community, but also to hear about the ways in which businesses are engaging with the community. Um, Listen Local First is a, a sort of a subsidiary of Think Local First run by a gentleman named Chris Nome. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. Uh, every Wednesday, if you go to a lot of the local coffee shops around town, like Blind Dog or like Trist or uh, Busboys and Poets, uh, you'll hear a Listen Local playlist that is comprised primarily of local artists. Which you can actually find on uh, our social media as well so yeah and oh, so that's fantastic. that's great it's a really good way to expose yourself to uh, again established and up-and-coming music coming out of DC and again speaking to that goal of really building culture I think listen local has been a great effort from that um, 
And, uh, you know, I think really we do a lot of programming like Locals Unplugged to hear directly from the community. I think as uh, Omid was mentioning, we are focused on trying to solicit feedback to understand the needs of the community. And, and you know, to your previous question, I think a large part of what Think Local can do is to – uh, help understand that a lot of the challenges of growing a business in D.C. have to do with, you know, engaging with government and starting to help the government understand what are the policies and the procedures in place that sometimes are prohibitive to the growth of business. And Locals Unplugged and some of the roundtables that we do are really aimed at trying to help, uh, you know, on two fronts. One is government understand the operational challenges businesses face and, and where we need support from the local government, but also some of the potential uh, policy prescriptions to uh, foment the growth of local businesses, to provide more stable working environments for employees. Uh, I think things like the Paid Family Leave Act that just got introduced uh, last week are a great step towards that, that certainly uh, Union Kitchen has been very involved with, and I think Think Local will be as well. Um, and so these events, again, are always a great way to, to network, to create momentum, to build community, and certainly we uh, invite everyone to visit the website, thinklocalfirstdc.com, and check out what we've got going on, and uh, you know, reach out to Omid, uh, who is at Omid at thinklocalfirstdc.com um, and, uh, you know, find out what's going on. We, we want this to be an engaged and dynamic uh, exchange, uh, and, and hopefully that allows us to represent folks better. Sounds fantastic. Uh, so when is – so I see on, on the Locals Unplugged monthly two-hour business breakfast, uh, what, what, what mornings are you guys doing this? Um, so we yeah, actually we had one yesterday we did. with muffins oh, from Banana Love Muffin. <laughs> Just missed it. That was muffins. Those muffins are. We, we taught Omid about the distribution business a little bit through that. <laughs> um, yeah. So we actually we had uh, our locals unplugged has has been uh, on hold, um, but we have actually we're continuing the unplugged series, actually focusing on. Uh, makers. Um, so we've been having our roundtables for uh, the real estate community and then for the local business community and uh, have been doing, uh, re- have actually restarted the Unplugged specifically for creatives and makers. Um, and we're very excited to have Stacy Price, um, you know, joining us once again, who's the previous executive director of Think Local First, who's just absolutely amazing. We love her um, and has done great things for the organization, has really built the organization to where we are now, 400 members. You know, our mailing lists are phenomenal. Um, and, you know, so we've ha- we have the reach, we have the base, and now we're just going to build on the foundation. I think the event to really highlight is the developer dinners. Um, I, you know, I think those are really interesting. I mean, you throw a rock in D.C. and people are talking about real estate. And I think the developer dinners are a really interesting opportunity to get into a room with the folks who are owning and developing a lot of the real estate um, to understand their challenges, which they do have. I think it's, it's, it's easy to sort of be on the sidelines and see big buildings going up and assume people are getting really rich off of it, which they may well be. But uh, it is a big risk and there are real challenges to being in development. Yeah. Um, but also to express you know, what the community wants. Um, and I think if you are a business owner listening to express some of the challenges you face financially with raising real estate prices or what you need as a business owner to put your business in a location to bring your amenity to the community. Um, and the developer dinners have proven to be, I think, very successful for us. It's a great way of building, I think, a coalition of somewhat strange bedfellows a lot of the time, but one that really does get at the heart of it takes everyone to build communities in the way we want them. 
And oftentimes it's the long-term residents and it's the business owners that are really going to be there for a long time. Sometimes developers will be and sometimes they won't be. And I think being able to express um, ourselves to the development community, but again, also to solicit their concerns and their feedback and why things are the way they are is really interesting and edifying for neighbors. Um, and so, uh, again, I would encourage folks to look into the developer dinners. I think our next one is November 10th. 10th. Um, and so that's a great opportunity for folks to attend. And we'll be doing those monthly uh, just about. Um, and we're, you know, again, excited to, I think, start a conversation that I think lives sort of in the, you know, at a low level in the city, everyone's talking about it, but very rarely do people actually bring this into a, a greater light where we're actually talking with a broad base of the community. And so uh, certainly folks should check out the developer dinners. Great. So uh, you, you, with your large coalition of, of members uh, and the, the variety of businesses that they represent, um, what, what do you see as, as some of the, the, next best things, uh, yeah. up next up and coming hot things. We've got a few, I mean, uh, not to harp on it, but the developers dinner, I really think as a business owner where at least for a lot of the businesses that we want to see that build culture that are going to be retail boutiques or a salon or a coffee shop. It's, it really is about what's your rent, what's your build-out cost, the re real estate. So I think the developer dinners are really exciting because it's starting to, I think, build momentum on that front. Um, some of the other things we're working on are working more closely with the district government in terms of uh, providing connectivity. Uh, DSLBD, who we talked about a little bit in the lobby, you know, they're a group who works with about 1,500 businesses in the city, even though there's close to 60, 65,000 in the city. And so we're trying to become a resource for them to create a better level of connectivity and understanding of what really the ecosystem of businesses is. And um, while that will probably be a, a more long-term process, we think that there is a, a lot of positive momentum. The the, man, the uh, executives over at DSLBD now are very focused on this. And so becoming a sort of connective point between the community, especially the business community and the government, I think is something that is, is long overdue and we're excited to, to play a role in that. Um, we have been talking about uh, working more closely with government on a Meet in DC certification, which would help to essentially verify and establish local businesses as local businesses and to potentially work with local government on some of their procurement processes that would expand something like the CBE program, the Certified Business Enterprise Program, to a yeah. broader array of services and goods so that we really are driving uh, business to our, our local entrepreneurs, um, as well as to announce to the, the community, and I think, again, our, our, our Think Local First has done this for a long time, but to continue to expand the marketing efforts and the advocacy efforts to DC consumers that these are DC businesses that we should be, uh, when all things are equal, supporting as much as possible. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, we're working on some, you know, we are, I think, surveying the landscape and trying to connect with business owners to understand how can we be involved on the policy side of things. I think Omid specifically has a strength that and Think Local First has always been engaged with the policy advocacy side of things and understanding, you know, what can we be doing, whether it's around issues of urban farming or lease guarantees or access to capital that get in front of the D.C. Council to actually help advance some of the interests of, again, the business community, but but through that, the larger community uh, surrounding it. Um, and so I think those are some of the big, exciting uh, initiatives that we're trying to work on um, and to really focus our efforts so that we're, we're, we're focused, we're, we're narrow, we're executing, um, and using the events to really build momentum and a coalition around those efforts. Uh, exciting times at Think Local First DC. Yeah, absolutely. Lots going on. Yeah. Uh, and Omid, you've been the, the managing director for... About four months. Four months four now. Months, yeah. So... How did you get involved? Um, you know, it really was by, um, I think, 
in a, in a lot of ways, like divine spiritual intervention. Oh my! Yes, Deus ex machina. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I had been working at uh, a real estate uh, firm doing topa conversions, working as as an assistant, um, helping to facilitate topa conversions all the, all over the city. And, um, and for those listeners that don't know what a topa conversion sure. is, uh, tenant op- opportunity to purchase act. It's anytime a, a building goes for sale. Um, in the like 1980s, I believe Jim Graham uh, helped to, to pass one of the, the first uh, tenant opportunity to purchase act laws in the District of Columbia as a way to combat gentrification. Um, the idea was that um, people are being moved out; they're being priced out of their homes. They're being moved out of their homes by all these new developments. Well, the way to to keep them in there was anytime a developer comes in and wants to redevelop a building, um, giving first right of first refusal to to the tenant who lives within the building, giving them an opportunity to purchase their their property so that they would not be able to be moved out of their right. uh, current right. living situation. So um, that's you know where I, I I'd been working there for a period of time and uh, at the same time had always been very involved in the community communities something that's very important to me it's something that I think about all the time uh, you know always developing my idea of like what a community exactly looks like what it should look like um, what it is like what is it that really makes a community it's not just a bunch of people living together in like what the same general area um, and so in in that regard I'd been putting together a community event uh, to celebrate um, flag Day in the District of Columbia, which is June 14th. Uh, we, you know, we have a, a, an amazing flag here in the District of, Col- District of Columbia, three stars, two bars, hey. Um, and so yeah, everyone celebrates it. I mean, you can find it in, in logos all over the city. You can find it on T-shirts. You can find people with tattoos. We met someone who actually got a tattoo of a D.C. flag on the side of her head. She loved it so much. Um, so, you know, I in, in organizing that event, basically, I came across our board chair, Raj Agarwal, who's uh, the founder of Provoke, which is a, um, a B corporation that works with socially responsible businesses to, um, to execute their campaigns and, and de- designs their websites and so on and so forth. And when I got connected to him, we just, you know, had a really great conversation and um, I'd heard of Think Local first before, and uh, you know the I like the the colors of their of their logo. I like their logo of the finger, and I like the sentiment Think Local first. And so, you know, when I actually got to hear about the organization and the work that they do, and that they needed assistance, I was like, "What can I do?" And that's how it started. And here you are. Yeah. Well, I, d- I don't think they could ask for a more energetic person uh, <laughs> to be representing them right now. So, good job on that. Thank you. Um, it's coffee, actually, is, is really what it is. <laughs> lots of lots of coffee roasters in your membership. <laughs> uh, well, I want to thank you both for being here today. Uh, if if folks want to find out more about Think Local First, obviously there's your website, thinklocalfirstdc.com. Uh, what about social media? Sure. So um, follow us, uh, Instagram, at thinklocaldc. Uh, Twitter is at thinklocaldc. Facebook is thinklocalfirstdc. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on there. We also want to invite everyone to join our membership as well. Um, we're always looking for people who, you know, support the local uh, community, who support local businesses and, and want to see our local businesses thrive, survive and stay around. So. And $25 membership fee through the end of 2015? It's tax deductible. That's awesome. 
Uh, and and when you sign up for that membership, you get access to uh, the newsletter, invitations to take part in things like the developer's dinner, et cetera. Absolutely, yes. There are a multitude of membership benefits. Multitude. And you can hang out with Omid, so <laughs> there you go. That's, that's worth every penny. <laughs> And he wears a sharp tie every day. I, 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 if we have time before we sign off here, I, I would really encourage everyone to, you know, to get involved in some way. At the end of the day, what you want to see in your neighborhood and your community is about you voting with your feet, voting with your wallet. Um, and so if you're not a business owner, if you, you don't really care about local, you probably care about something. Um, and, you know, I think a large part of what Think Local is about is imbuing people, especially in the home of representative democracy, with an understanding that it does just come down to the individual and what choices you decide to make every day in your life. Um, and so, you know, make those choices with, with where you're walking, with where you're spending your money, be conscientious in your consumership. Um, you know, we think that's really important. And while we're out there, I think working to build momentum uh, at the end of the day, you know, we cannot do it for everyone and we're not going to do it for the city by ourselves. It's going to take a very concerted effort, which means everyone uh, being thoughtful and, and intentional in the way they're uh, spending their money and, and, and spending their time. And so uh, certainly that would be my, my lasting plea to folks to, to, you know, get involved, even if it's in small ways every day. Join Thanks. us. Yep. Could not agree with you more. Money spent locally stays locally. Absolutely. Uh, Love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Thank you, Jonas. Thank you, Amid, for being here. Thank you very much. Thinklocalfirstdc.com. And uh, thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week. Appreciate it.